hello everyone. So um, we're going to be in Second uh, Corinthians uh, verse uh, chapter one verses three to uh, eleven, and um, yeah, I just want to like preface this just by sharing like a personal testimony. Um, for those of you who don't know, my father passed uh, back in June. Um, it was a very sudden death, and it has been a um, a very trying time for myself and my family. Um, you know, but I think what has been interesting about this whole experience is just the reality of God's presence. Um, in my life, despite some of the hardest, uh, the hardest thing that I, you know, I, I never imagined bearing one of my parents, <laughs> uh, this early. Um, and so seeing, uh, the Lord's hand, um, throughout this trial, throughout this time, seeing the body of Christ, um, and how he used the body in this time, like just praying with brother Greg, praying with you guys, uh, Praying with him, you know, just speaking to God amidst all of this has um, really helped me to just realize the reality of God's comfort, um, the necessity for God's comfort over that of the vices that we can go to or the relationships that we can go to or even uh, the other things that we can conjure up ourselves or that the world would conjure up for us. Um, I think that when it comes to the comfort that comes by the Holy spirit, there is safety in that. Um, because usually in, in my past experience, when I, when I did lose someone, I usually turned to the comforts of, you know, my drugs of choice, whether it be cocaine or alcohol or fulfilling my sexual desires or something as a way to cope with loss. Um, whereas now I've really been leaning on the body, leaning on God, leaning on, his word, standing on his word, um, depending upon him um, and the body, because, you know, I don't think that uh, these trials, I think they really come to help us to grow um, in our faith or prove our faith rather, because sometimes, um, you know, the the essence of trials isn't so that like, it's like, Oh God hates me or it's something that I did really bad. It's just the reality of this existence. Um, and Christ told us that, and he definitely wasn't joking when he told us that because, you know, he also had to experience some se severe trials himself. And one of them was giving up his own life. And so um, I'm very grateful to the Lord for the, uh, reality of of his comfort amidst some of the most trying times of my life and his trying experience um and so uh let, let's go ahead and go to the word here so it reads in uh second corinthians 1 verse 3 praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of compassion and the god of all comfort um who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So <clears throat> Paul is essentially like 
telling the Corinthians about one, the compassion of God. Um, however, the reality that his comfort comes in all troubles. So it's not just in peace that we can receive comfort, but in all of our troubles, we can receive the comfort of God. Um, the other thing to notice here as well is that if you don't ever go through any troubles, how can you comfort someone else <laughs> with when they have trouble? Um, I think that like, it's like someone trying to tell me, uh, you know, who's never lost someone is I think this is what's been really interesting in my experience. People who've never lost a parent yet, they don't really know what to say. So then they just don't say anything. But then for someone who has lost someone in the same experience that I have, they're able to say something to me that then bring comforts to me because they've gone through that same thing or they know that particular struggle. Um, but if they if no one's ever experienced it, then how can they give me any comfort, right? Um, and this is why it's important that one, we have a relationship with God because our worldly friends will give us the worldly comforts, but those of us who are in the Lord, we can comfort our brother or sister with that same comfort by the same spirit that God has given us all, which is the Holy ghost. Amen. And so therefore, we're able to bring comfort to a brother or sister, not by our own mental uh, capacity or anything, but actually by the Holy Spirit that dwells in us and by the same word which we all read and, and stand upon. Um, and I think the other thing too to also remember is that like the apostles and the uh, early church were going through times of great suffering. Um, in fact, uh, the apostles were afflicted for the sake of the church. Um, but even as they were afflicted, so was the church afflicted in these days. And so it's it was important, though, that um, people would not think that the troubles were strange or um, not supposed to happen, uh, which is why they needed comfort in those times to remain and abide in their faith amidst all the trials that they were going through. Uh, yeah, and I also like... I just really love that he says that we have for with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Like he didn't say what the comfort we receive from the wine, a communion or from, you know, any of these other uh, outlets, which back then they had their own outlets too. But the source of comfort is always going to be the Lord and it's safer when it's comfort from God. Um, Going on to verse five, for just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ, our comfort overflows. So I love this about the Lord is like, he will say, hey, you're going to have trouble, but be not afraid. <laughs> um, it's really wonderful that the Lord, knowing we would have trouble, still, still sent us a way to go through trouble. And also a way to let us not go through trouble alone. Um, Amen. Amen. You know, fortunately, low be unto the world or to the atheists who uh, go through their troubles. But, you know, they assume that because of their prosperity, that they really don't have any trouble at all. And, and the reality is that they do. Because um, they won't get to meet the Lord. They won't get to experience that comfort. Unfortunately, they just get further and further in 
in depth of their own troubles. Um, whereas, you know, with us being followers of Christ, our comfort isn't, isn't going to like, we don't mourn like the world. We don't look like the world. We don't act like the world. We don't think like the world. Um, and I think that's a blessing to have because the world immediately tells us to comfort ourselves with, um, you know, like for instance, abortion, the world comforts itself by saying, well, it's a cell. Therefore, like, it's not that bad. Um, or when someone dies, they automatically like just assume because that person was good that they're going somewhere. As Christians, we are comforted because we know that if we lose a brother or sister in Christ, we know where they're going. Like we know their reality in, in the next life. But unfortunately for those in the world, they don't. Um, and so that's why I think, you know, even when I lost my father and I saw a lot of um, people come to his funeral, I, I made it an effort to tell them just the reality of why it's better to have Christ in your life than to not have him. Um, because Christ will comfort those who have been afflicted. Um, he will also give us peace when we lose someone. And so um, I could be a wreck, but I'm very thankful that um, his comfort did overflow into my life because I don't know how I could have, made it this far without um, his comfort overflowing. And um, that is just very, just very introspective about like how the Bible says that um, the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, because some people think that just having a relationship with Christ means that you'll never suffer again. Like you'll never have to go through anything. You're absolved from, from dealing with any pain. Um, I think that's far from the truth. I think the pain may not be the same, but there's still going to be pain in your life. Um, and I also understand that with Christ, though he may have quote unquote lost something, he gained everything. He gained creation back. He gained his kingdom. Um, again, like he already had it, but he was finally reunited back with his kingdom after he himself took our form and suffered in our form to then receive a, a ladder blessing, like in the book of Job, like where Job received a ladder blessing, like his latter days were better than his former. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think like, that's just a very uh, astounding reality um, that after we've suffered for a little while, then surely soon he will raise us up to glory. Um, yeah, amen. So like, um, <clears throat> the waiting, I think the waiting on glory, I think is like the hardest part. Um, but I think that's why the comfort is there because you can grow weary in, in your waiting. You can grow tired in your waiting. You can get even angrier in your waiting for your latter half. Um, but I'm thankful that his comfort and his peace helps us to go through, um, the most trying times of our lives, uh, not perplexed, you know, not, uh, you may have some days, but 
your bad days aren't going to outweigh the good ones and the peace that the Lord will give you. Um, you know, and I think that it also builds uh, patience in us as well. <clears throat> and so uh, verse six, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. So um, it's a mouthful, but it's it's definitely um, very interesting. Our shepherds may go through some things, um, but also as they're going through things, it's helping them to one, teach us about the reality of our salvation um, and also to give them a testimony of, you know, their experiences with God, because like, it's hard to really believe people who've never experienced God or who don't know God. Um, and also we say like faith comes by the hearing of the word of God, like hearing other people's testimonies of how they made it over or the, excuse me, the man of God who is like leader in, um, in their ministry. Um, I believe like without experience and without a vision, they can't lead the ministry effectively. Amen. Um, if, if that pastor has uh, only had the seminary degree, but has never lost anything, has never gone through any pain, has never seen um, or gotten down in the trenches, as I like to say, uh, with others, then the most they can give you are religious TED Talks or um, very good self-help tips, but they won't be able to reach down, you know, into um, the depths and pull you out um, because they themselves have never been pulled out that way or they haven't experienced that. And so I, I do believe that experience is a really good teacher. And even here, it's validated by the scriptures that um, that if they're distressed, like Paul, the apostles, the leaders, if they're distressed, it is for the comfort of the sheep and for their salvation. Christ, unfortunately, was distressed or destroyed, but it brought the Holy Ghost. It brought salvation. It brought reconciliation and restoration um, unto the 11. And it also brought them to ministry. Like it gave them their place in ministry after he was um, destroyed and sacrificed, um, which is also what he said that after he would go away, going back to the father, that then the comforter would come and he would rather them be waiting for the comforter and allow him to go. He didn't want to be just stuck here because if he was stuck here, then the comforter would never come. And so um, that's why I love how, you know, they, it discusses here that leaders are stressed. I mean, this is why we should pray for uh, men or women of God who are leading um, in the church because they are going to undergo a stricter judgment, but also they are undergoing severe spiritual warfare. They're undergoing all of these um, wild things that come about because they've taken up the mantle to lead the sheep and, um, and to feed the sheep. And sometimes like that comes with 
casualties. There's going to be casualties in war. It's the thing that we can't um, avoid. Uh, however, um, our casualties aren't aren't like the devil's. His casualties are final, but ours, you know, they do get to rise again. Um, and so I'm, I'm thankful to the Lord for the resurrection in that regard, because um, we don't ever truly die. Um, but this is why it's important to um, honor our uh, leaders and, and keep them in prayer and um, to understand the reality of their mantle. Uh, because if everybody could do it, they would. But I don't really think that it's a thing everybody uh, should do because of uh, what we just read because of how much they're afflicted um, on account of us, on account of leading. Um, and so, uh, as it says here, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces you in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. So the body of Christ is going to suffer. Leaders will suffer. Um, however, we're going to receive comfort and through the suffering, we get patient endurance. Um, we live in a very now generation, of course. We like everything fast. We like everything then and there. We don't really like to wait on anything anymore, which is why it's imperative to have patience. Um, and usually if we don't wanna wait, we then have to endure anxiety because anxiety is the opposite of waiting. Anxiety is trying to figure it out now, get back to normal now. I mean, I think we all understand that with COVID, um, there was this angst in the world to get back to normal. So therefore they accepted a vaccine as their savior instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I think the uh, reality of of that season was, you know, um, the normal that we thought was normal, it wasn't. I believe it woke us up in many ways. We thought that killing children was normal. We thought that um, LGBTQAI plus was normal. We thought that, uh, you know, there's so much, like the list can go on and on. Um, especially with the church. We thought prayerlessness was normal. We thought not having the Holy Spirit or allowing the Holy Spirit to work, to have his way was normal. And um, I think that through COVID, um, those of us who patiently endured and, and actually buckled down and, and uh, reoriented ourselves to the word and, and to the Lord, we then were able to endure that season and, and come out of it on top. Um, I'm very thankful to God for uh, how, you know, in this ministry, in this fellowship, you know, we prayed against the vaccine mandates. We prayed against uh, colleges trying to, um, you know, utilize all these vaccine things to stop students from graduating or to kick students out. Um, we prayed against, uh, Roe versus Wade and it got overturned like to continue to pray and not see something requires endurance um, and that that you know that endurance really uh, does build our relationship with God because um, 
God is patient with us. um, And it's a blessing that he is because I can't tell you how many times, you know, back before I came back to the Lord, how hard it must have been. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just know that the Lord is um, abounding in compassion um, and, and is very patient and merciful. Um, As I was talking with brother Greg last night, like, you know, the reality of our consequences, like our consequences are going to come either way, but the Lord helps you through those. Like the Lord may not change your consequences, but he will change you. Um, And so like for me personally, when I got a DUI, um, I met the Lord in jail, but that didn't excuse me from having to go to court for it, for having to pay loads of money to lawyers and a legal team. Um, It didn't uh, stop me from having to attend classes and going to rehab um, and all these things. But in the end, it changed me um, to, well, one, accept my consequences, um, to not blame, you know, pull an atom and blame it on my situation or something, but rather to uh, accept um, my fate, but also to know that the Lord um, was with me and the Lord would provide a favorable outcome for me. So though I had to endure all those consequences, the outcome uh, was that I was acquitted and um, I didn't deserve to be acquitted, but that's the reality of favor and the mercy of God. And had I like kind of, you know, just shrugged it off, shrugged off going through the consequences and things that continued um, and and not have done, you know, the rehab or any of that stuff. I don't know how that would have gone, but I don't think I want to find out. (laughs) Um, Just being honest, like, because I think that when we go through something patiently, enduring it, then when the devil tries to come and tempt us with the quick or the easy way out, we have a testimony, we have a time in which we can draw from um, to remind us of, you know, well, when I patiently endured this season, uh, I, I got, I received such a tremendous blessing. I received this job or I got married um, or I, the Lord had allowed me to go deeper in, in knowing him spiritually or, um, growing closer to God in such a way, like for me, that's why, like, I really resist going back into relapsing into pornography or sexual sin, just because of how far I've come, um, in the Lord and, um, how it's, you know, the, I, I just like, just harping on this patient endurance stuff because a lot of Christians don't believe that it bears any fruit. Um, and in reality, it, it bears a, an abundance of fruit because to have endurance, it has to be tested. Um, I like this song uh, by like the Clark sisters. It says that we've been tried in the fire. We come out as pure gold. Like if you're never at your wits end sometimes, in your in your life you may never know um of of how powerful god can be 
because it's after like you've exhausted all that you have done. You've you've called all the people you could call. You've you've done all of the the things that you have researched to be correct. You've you've just expelled all of you into the situation, and it doesn't like the, just the result. Nothing is working. And then the Lord shows up, and He does exceedingly and abundantly above all you could ask or think. But if you've never exhausted yourself, you would have never gotten to know just how powerful um, the Lord can move um, in that situation. And also, like, when we endure, um, we're being strengthened in the spirit. When we endure, we're able to uh, see giants and not be afraid. Um, you know, when we endure, there's uh, a hope that is also in us um that can't be broken because our hope is not in our actions our hope is not in our money or anything it's in the lord um who is able you know and and that's what um, i really love about god is that he's able so even when you know um even when i can't do it or you know my neighbor can't um, he can. And so I'm like, just very thankful, uh, for that. Um, continuing on to verse seven and our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. It's so great that there's this mutual experience, um, in the body of Christ. We're not strangers to the reality of being a Christ follower. Um, and we're also like, you know, when one mourns, we mourn with them. We share in each other's burdens. Uh, if you find yourself running away from other people's burdens and not like, you know, being there or sharing with them in them. Now I'm not talking about like somebody has to clean their house and they're lazy and they don't want to do it. Like, I'm not going to share in your burden, like clean your house. Um, but if they lose someone or if, um, they've had like, uh, you know, like for me in, in another ministry that I work with, I deal with a lot of men who struggle with sexual sin or um, pornographic addiction. And um, I have to constantly refrain myself from like, you know, I'm free. Why can't you all be free? Like you just suck as Christians. Like I can't say that. Um, I, I actually have to uh, one really look at, their situation um tell them the truth in love but also be real with them and in, in the reality of freedom and endure for their sake because um how could i minister to them if i myself am constantly given over to pornography and sexual sin um how could i then turn and help them so in order to carry someone's burdens, you also have to, you know, be carrying your cross too. Um, and so I, I, I really have to uh, empathize in a way, um, not like looking down at them from like a 20 foot high pedestal, but also, um, you know, just as Christ did to Peter, um, constantly being there to like restore them, but also to tell them the truth. Like there are some moments where I have to 
you know, be firm with these individuals and tell them and ask them the hard questions like, does your freedom matter that much to you? Will you actually endure so that you may experience freedom? Um, why, like, you know, some of these questions like, well, why do you always go back to this when you know that you don't want this? You know, and sometimes people are either ashamed, they don't want to, either they, they like the sin or they don't, they, it's just it, the, the whole idea of deliverance just doesn't like, they, they don't like that. They don't really want to hear that, but that is actually what they may need. Um, however, uh, I also make sure that I do share in the burden with them and empathize with them because I was once in their shoes. Um, and so I, I have to, one, be patient because the Lord was patient with me in that season of my life. And had he not um, delivered me in his time, um, because that's also a reality too that I've come to learn in my experience dealing with those types of sins or um, dealing with that stronghold is that the Lord will deliver us. He is faithful to deliver. Um, and sometimes it may not be on our timeline, but I know for a fact that when he does, um, it's up to us to do everything in our power to never go back to Egypt. It's us to remember, it's up to us to remember the bitterness of Egypt, that we will not return to those things. And so, um, you know, I, I really enjoy that knowing that when we share in someone's sufferings, we share in their comfort too. Because when I pray for someone to get delivered from something and they finally do, I rejoice with them. Um, when I've, you know, heard their tears and have cried with them or have been there for them in that way. And then they, you know, as through prayer and walking with them, they finally um, receive joy again or, are healed from that thing that uh, had bogged them down. I rejoice with them and, and share in the comfort of the Lord with them as well, because like, does the Lord want get enjoyment from our affliction? No, like, um, <laughs> I don't think he enjoys seeing us being afflicted. It doesn't bring him joy to mm -hmm. afflict people. Um, which is why there's comfort there. Uh, like, you know, the reality of Adam's sin is that it brought affliction to the earth. In Eden, there was no affliction. Um, but because of his sin, affliction now comes to the earth. However, God in his kindness still gives us comfort in our afflictions. Um, and so that's why that's always something as a Christian that we can bank on. And um, like Brother Greg was saying, pray about these things or pray these things, you know, praying the word, because um, that's our reality, is that we, we're going through uh, the sojourner experience. We go through this, but not alone. Um, that's why Christ gave us the body. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us himself. He gives us his word, um, because we're not meant to go through this sojourner experience alone. This is why, you know, I, I've talked to and counseled a lot of other Christians who will um, avoid 
meeting or avoid being with community because, oh, well, I'm in a season of separation and, you know, God is working on me. And so I'm not, I'm avoiding, you know, meeting. And and I'm like, okay, one, that doesn't make any sense. Like, unless you're Paul the apostle and you need to be, you know, in the desert for a certain amount of time to receive the gospel, to give to the Gentiles, then like, maybe you have a valid excuse, but you're not him. And also like, you should be in the body. Like there's a reason why, like all that we're reading is essentially talking about one, how God will comfort us, but also how we will comfort. He will comfort all of us together because we are together, not because we're separate um, from one another and just going off suffering in silence. And, you know, we're just left to our own devices. Like that's not what, the word is saying here. So that's why it's important that people do stay in community or what I was like telling this individual. So I was like, you have to be in community because there are things that you get from fellowship that you will not get by yourself. And usually if you constantly find yourself, quote unquote, being separated from community, that is either alienation or you just don't like God's design. But either those are the only two options you have. Like they're you know, unless like I get it, like if I was in a church and then they eventually started, you know, putting up all this pride and LGBTQS, I would leave too and separate from them because that's bad. But like if they're not doing any of that and you just find yourself like, oh, I just don't want to talk to people or I don't like, you know, being around people like. I, what do you think heaven's going to be like? You're not going to, you know, just like God has a council. God is around a council all the time. He has people he has creatures around his throne like god is not you know just going to separate and alienate himself from his people he wants to be with us which is why he gave christ so that he could be with us again and dwell in us like there's this necessity that the lord has for us to be in community for us to to be in the body because without the body there's no way that there's a mutual exchange of comfort there's no way that, um, you know, like I was talking with Brother Greg, um, at, we were in prayer, just like, if I didn't know him there, I would not be able to receive certain prophetic words that he gets over my life or um, praying with him also allows me to be blessed because it helps me to grow in prayer. It helps us both to, um, we're mutually edified by praying together and being with the Lord. Like there are some things that you don't always get by yourself. Um, and so that's why Lone Ranger Christianity in itself is self-defeating because you don't really grow or anything. And sometimes you wonder, well, why do I still stay stuck? Or why does this keep happening? You haven't been coming to church or corporate prayer. You, you know, you may read your Bible by yourself, but there are things that are happening in the corporate gathering that you're missing out on because you're never there, you know? Um, and so that's why I think it, it's, you know, I, I, I really tell people to utilize the body. Um, the body is there for you as well. It's, it's not just some abstract thing. It's, um, there for us to grow and, and to be comforted. You know, I, I can't tell you like after losing my father, all of the texts and the prayers and the verses and the scriptures and, 
um, how the Lord utilized the body to help me because I, I could have done like a lot of people and just shut my phone off and walked away and never talked to anyone. But I'm thankful that um, the Lord used the body to surround me in light, you know, amidst the devil trying to lure me into darkness by being by myself. Um, because though I may have felt alone, um, I know the Lord is still with me, you know, and, and that, that brings me, um, great comfort as well. And so, uh, uh, continuing reading on here in verse eight, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we even, so that we despaired even of life. Um, you know, a lot of people in today's society, especially in today's, you know, uh, Christians today like to, you know, either stick our head in the sand or put headphones on and try to tune out everything that's going on, um, which is a terrible thing. Um, I love how he says, we do not want you to be uninformed because if we're uninformed, we don't know what to pray for. If we're uninformed, then we just are bystanders um, to something that we could actually be helping. Um, if we're uninformed, then we will never ever be able to be of any use um, in ministry, um, which is why I'm, I'm glad that um, it was Paul's desire as a minister, as a shepherd to not leave his sheep uninformed, you know, because there's a lot of, Shepherds, unfortunately, today are men who wear the title of pastor who leave the sheep uninformed. They think that abortion is health care. They think that we loving your neighbor is tolerance of their sin and also um, just allowing uh, the things of the devil to then overrun your community or overrun your school. Um, as long as you can say you're 31 I am's or 32 I am's, you're going to do fine. Like, no, like that's not true. Um, there are things, I think, you know, in these days, uh, prayer and, and targeted prayer, as well as like standing up for the, the truth, you know, um, really not folding. Um, under the guise of ignorance, because a lot of people use ignorance as a way to shield them from their responsibility. Um, but we do have a responsibility to um, pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters to uh, see and pray about a change happening in our nations, in our governments, um, to become aware. You know, that's why I, I personally, I go out, you know, with a lot of Christian films that are being made today, um, a lot of them are talking about real world issues. Um, and I thank God that it is Christian men and women who are do who are leading the charge in this and not the world. And it also shows us the reality of the world, how um, the world would rather block these things from happening, um, try and, and stop 
um, Christians from becoming informed of these things. Um, however, like I think when we were in, I, I had prayed about before um, that information doesn't birth in action, but instead it births action. It births people becoming proactive to then go and do something. Um, you know, because that's the importance about uh, being um, informed versus uninformed. If you do become informed, then pray, give money, uh, you know, start to start to really get, get off the bench and and uh, and start praying for these individuals, for these ministries, um, because they will uh, they they do endure hardships. Men and women who go after you know traffic children or who help traffic humans. Period. Um, they go through a lot mentally and some of them do suffer from PTSD because of the horrible things that they've seen. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why it's important that we, um, you know, aren't uninformed because the more that we become informed, the, the more we're able to pray um, for them. And, and also like, you know, I love how he says this. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. So even when they thought like they could endure, it seemed like it was past their ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. Um, you know, like I, uh, I was, I'm kind of reminded of um, a Christian woman. Her name is like Corey Ten Boom and she was hiding Jews uh, in, in the times of World War II. She had such a powerful testimony. Um, her sister uh, was dying in uh, one of the uh, concentration camps um, but her sister received a vision and though her sister was going to be with the Lord um, the Lord still gave her sister this vision before she passed and she told her sister like she told Corey like hey you're going to make it out of here the Lord is going to bless you. It's such a tremendous uh, ministry. Um, and I see um, basically what you saw is this house. And in this house, um, you know, that was going to be like a rehabilitation center or also a place where Corey would share a testimony. Um, but Corey at one point thought she was going to die too, because there's, you know, sickness and they're practically skin and bone. And usually a lot of people don't make it out um, of concentration camps alive. It wasn't normal for people to make it out alive. And so for those who did, it was a, a blessing from God. But, you know, in her situation, she despaired of life itself, too, because she, you know, the fact that she was going to make it without her sister um, was something that um, really did bother her. Um, but she held on to the word that her sister gave. And um, she was able to make it out um, from that situation. And that just goes to show um, that even though we're pushed beyond our measure, we serve a supernatural God. Like, there's no way that, you know, some of the things that we go through, some people have said, like, oh, like, you're, do, you're handling this so well, or you seem to, um, you don't really seem that, that you know, it, this doesn't affect you the way this does everybody else. Like, how do you do it? Or, 
you know, what's your secret? <laughs> like, well, there's really no secret. I mean, my, my faith in Christ is what um, allows me to, to go through some of the hardest moments in my life and um, still say thank you to God or still have a praise um, on my lips. Um, you know, as I, I think, uh, you know, I came back from viewing my father's body and um, I, I was just driving and I was talking to my mom about it because, you know, my mom was very shocked because um, my father was 45 when he passed uh, and she's 44. And so she was like, I'm, I'm afraid about, you know, what's going to happen to me. Like, I don't know, I, I, you know, how do you feel about this? Or, you know, are you going to be OK? I just said, well, I can't curse God. I, I can't curse God. Um, because of this loss and yes, like, um, it knocked the wind out of me, but, uh, the Lord gave me wind back to keep, you know, <laughs> breathing, um, and, and to keep pressing on, um, amidst that. And, uh, that was something that, you know, it's such a tremendous, uh, lesson, um, to learn, is that, you know, I, cause you never, you, you don't expect it. You don't know when it's going to happen, but you know, that's going to happen. Um, cause I mean, I, I just came off of a really great high, you know, of, of thanking God and just praising him. And because I, I, you know, I graduated college and I graduated almost a year and a half to two years early. Um, like, you know, to, to go, to go from, graduating all the celebration to then mourning <laughs> within two to three weeks. Uh, and then unexpected more unexpected morning was, um, uh, a lot, you know, it was a very different change of pace for me. Um, but I still found grounds to be thankful to God, um, because of, I had all of that to draw from, uh, the endurance that I had to endure of, you know, driving almost an hour every day to school, um, having to uh, also like carry my own cross, not fall back into sexual sin, not fall back into drugs, not take any easy deals, um, you know, but to uh, also give my life to, you know, because I was also doing ministry like, um while I'm doing college. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm helping run one ministry, attending another men's ministry, attending this ministry, you know, like um, being that involved with the body and still doing college at the level that I had to do college uh, really did wear down on me in some moments. Like there were some moments where I, I personally was just like, Oh Lord, like, I just want to give up. Like I'm tired, but um the Lord was always faithful to give me a second wind or to, uh, you know, um, I love how it says in like Psalm 80, it's like, um, then we shall not turn away from you. Quicken us, O God, or hearken to us, um, hearken us, O Lord. Um, and basically like give us life so that we would not turn away from you. And so uh, the Lord was faithful to meet me um, in, in that way. And so because I've experienced that and I've seen that, I, I then know that though this is a very trying, you know, time, um, he's faithful to deliver me and um, he has been. 
and so um you know that's that's just so uh just such a testament to this word that we're reading um you know um reading uh just saying saying that we were under great pressure pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life like there there was no other way there's no no salvation they had seen coming um at that point right um however i like what it says in verse nine indeed but in our hearts we felt the sentence of death but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Um, you know, amen, because if I relied on myself to get myself through college, I doubt that I would have been able to graduate with honors or um, I'd probably still be hooked on weed or any of those vices, um, using them as a scapegoat to help me deal with the pressure. But um, I relied on him and his strength um, to get me through. Um, and that's what I love about that is that his strength, even in that deep, dark time of great pressure, his strength was made readily available to them. And all of those things, like the pressure should never make you turn into yourself for the answer. Um, which is why I think self-help is so self-defeating because it's called self-help for a reason. I'm looking into myself for the help. Um, when in reality, uh, that if I got myself into this, so I don't think the self-help would help me <laughs> out of this really, when you think about it, like, you know, I used to be a big fan of like Oprah and the life classes when I was like, being quote unquote spiritual, but not really like, you know, um, choosing who I'd serve. Um, and that, and that was the reality of all of the Oprah lives master classes is like, they sound really good. They sound very inspiring and full of wisdom, but in reality, you're not really making any headway. And if you do make headway, you still encounter the same problem years later, you just don't have a solution. However, walking with the Lord, after I've gone through a trial, then I experience that same problem again. I know how to get out of it because of who I put my trust in to get me out of it in the first place. And it was God. It wasn't myself. Um, when God delivers, he truly does deliver. Um, that doesn't mean that you may like not have to deal with anything. Like for those of us who walk into an answered prayer, you may, one of the trials you may have to deal with is a, a coworker who gets on your nerves. And this job, you prayed for a job that gives you X amount of salary that comes with X amount of benefits, but also it's not God adding sorrow to the answered prayer. It's just the reality of being in an answered prayer is that, okay, well, there's going to be, you know, the promised land didn't come without Canaanites. <laughs> they still had to expel, you know, they still had to put up a fight to remove these things from the promised land. However, God did not abandon them and removing those things out of their promised land so that they could enjoy it. Um, you know, because you get it, you get the answer prayers, you get the job. Okay. Well now, well, it's not that I now have to stop praying. Well, now I need to pray because I need understanding on how I'm going to present 
this presentation. I need understanding on how to navigate this new environment. Um, I'm also going to need to know how to deal with this obnoxious coworker. Lord, um, I need Holy Spirit endurance because this person really gets on my nerves or something, you know, like these are just the realities that we sometimes have to deal with in living in an answered prayer. Um, because like, if, if I always looked, if we always looked to our own devices, we would never be able to come to the reality of, I need you, God, who raises the dead. Right now, this situation looks so dead and so bleak. My rent is due. Uh, my, uh, you know, my brother's in the hospital, struggling in my marriage, but I, who else can I turn to? You can resurrect these things. You can restore these things. You can bring these things um, back into order. You know, and, and that's what I love about the power of God. Um, that's why I'm, I'm glad the Lord gives us the imagery and also just the, the times when him and the apostles are out in the stormy waters. Um, because the God who created all things can then also put all things back into order. Um, so even though a storm arises in our life or tribulation occurs, the Lord can wake up from his restful and peaceful sleep and put his hand out and say, peace be still. Um, and that's like a, a very legitimate reality to what, you know, Paul is saying here. Um, because it's, there's going to be times in our life where we're saying peace be still and it's not working. <laughs> um, and we may need to call on the Lord um, to, to put his hand out in our situation and to restore peace um, to it. You know, and, and that's why I, I'm very uh, grateful that the Lord is willing to do that. Um, however, you know, just an aside, there has to be evidence of humility. We have to despair of pride, despair of um, the things that we um, hold dear sometimes to then for then for that to happen. You know, um, if you're not willing to humble yourself, you may never get to experience that peace. And I'll be honest, like when the Lord humbles you, it is not a fun experience. Uh, so, you know, but the Lord invites you to humble yourself. So <laughs> take that, um, take that opportunity to do so. Um, cause it, it bears really, it, it bears fruit in your life when you do that. And, um, it also allows us to, to experience him in, in greater measures when we um, despair of ourselves and instead choose him and, and grab a hold of him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful that uh, that can be our reality. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, just continuing on uh, reading here. So verse 10, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver and from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. So it's not like, oh, he might, or um, maybe the Lord will come. It's like, no, he will. And, and that's with confidence. 
um like i always kind of like jokingly joke with uh eschatology folks because i i've heard both camps and then in one camp it's just all suffering um and i always like point out these verses in the new testament where the apostles don't say oh uh the end of the ages is coming get ready to die and suffer you know that's it they don't like Peter's advice is, hey, the end of the ages has come upon us. Therefore, humble yourselves and pray. Like, I just don't, I never understand an eschatological view where it's just all suffering and death. So, uh, yeah, praise God. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's not a good answer um, at all. And then also to, uh, to see the reality of, you know, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. Like I, that that's the word. Um, there's no finagling. There's no crazy gymnastics with the word or anything. That's the word. That's literally what God can do and will do. Um, and it's those verses that allow me to experience peace in these days because I, I like I, I love saying this and I'm glad the Lord just revealed this to me in my time of prayer. He's not a bystander God. He's not a bystanding God. He doesn't just look at all these things happening in the earth and it's just like, I'm in heaven. I'm fine. They let them deal with it. Like, no, that's never been his, his attitude at all. Um, you know, and that's why I kind of, you know, I throw jabs at a lot of progressive Christians because I've heard so many Christians say, well, abortion is the choice or, you know, if people want it, you know, it's not all right for the government to step in and start um, mandating that abortion stop. Like they're removing people's choice. God gives people choice. I'm like, just because God gives people choice does not give us as Christians the right to then en encourage them in making those bad decisions by supporting laws that then allow for these bad decisions to continue to happen and be funded under our watch far be it like may it not be so that we take that attitude um may we start praying for deliverance and restoration of these children that their lives may no longer be snuffed out by wicked individuals or confused or lost individuals but that rather they get an opportunity at life because god wants them to be born um or even with you know this lgbtqai plus stuff affirmative action diversity inclusion stuff like all the stuff in the liberal agenda is unfortunately not godly however people try to dress it up or you know and i hear these senators or congressmen people read the bible to support things that god hates it's insanity and any right-minded christian would be offended and would pray that they would be removed like they would not encourage them in, in doing what they're doing. Um, you know, and, and that's why I, I will always continue to this day, destroy progressive Christianity. And, and I will, I will always tell them, I said, you deal in demonic irrational logic. And I don't, there's no way logically that I would support something that God hates and then say that I'm being a good compassionate Christian because I allow people to do what God hates and never stand up for it you know 
people always like throw that scripture out there about, you know, you should mind your business and mind your own affairs. Uh, that's pertaining to like the end of days and all this stuff that has nothing to do with us standing up for righteousness in the public square and praying that the Lord's kingdom come and his will be done. That's the reality of praying that prayer. Like it is not his will to see children slaughtered. It is not his will to see children indoctrinated into you know, the sexual practices of demons and of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's not his will for these things to happen. His will is that children would live full lives and, and would know him, that children would not be trafficked, that, you know, the, the, the nations would not be indoctrinated into this craziness, but instead that they would be turned to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and therefore would come to know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Um, that's the, that's his kingdom come and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't see it being any other way. Um, and so, you know, that's why I, I just really constantly will fight tooth and nail um, against those uh, who would say otherwise. Because there's no way you can call yourself a Christian and and support what God hates and, and take a last lackadaisical attitude. Um, you know, some people want us to be, some people say rapture. There are some people who would just rather us be persecuted from all responsibility than actually pray and, and get down uh, and get down in the trenches in prayer to to see that these things are are changed we pray that we may live a peaceful life not so that we can be persecuted to all get out so that then christ would come because of all the bloodshed um no we we pray that we may live a peaceful life you know and, and that's why I, I constantly you know i'm always having to remind people of that and that's what i teach my disciples and that's what i tell people um that's the reality of prayer is that it impacts our atmospheres. We've seen this in times again, like when it was, you know, the government's projecting onto us, well, if you don't get vaccinated, you'll die. I'm unvaccinated. I'm sure other people are unvaccinated in this call by the grace of God. We're alive. Um, it has nothing to do with the government projecting death on us because it is only the Lord who can give us life and take it away. Um, we know that. And though like the, our government and our society would like for us to despair of life itself by all the news and the stuff they flood us with, um, we believe in our God who raises the dead um, and our hope is in him. So therefore, while everybody is, you know, going crazy over the fact that someone's not standing six feet apart from them, I'm giving thanks to God that I, I'm fed. I'm alive. My health is okay. I'm seeing him still working. You know, um, there were many people who fell into deep states of depression because of this COVID thing, but I don't, I don't, for, for me personally, I had never had so much more joy. I was, I, I had an, ex I, I enjoyed that time and no offense. I mean, I kind of wouldn't mind going back to it because, you know, there weren't that many people on the road and, <laughs> You know, I, it was easier to find parking, um, <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, um, my hope was in in the Lord who 
who raised the dead. And I knew that if he had delivered, he would deliver again. And COVID was a deadly peril for some people, but glory to God, it wasn't, we were delivered from such a deadly peril. There was not one life I believe in this fellowship that was lost um, because of, you know, our faith in the Lord and our prayerfulness, um, you know, and, and unfortunately, statistically speaking, there were a lot of casualties um, in the body of Christ because of this. Lots of pastors left their jobs, um, stopped feeding the sheep because of COVID. Um, and it just shows you who's really plugged in to the Lord and who isn't. Um, because those who abided in God and, and kept their hope in the Lord, it didn't matter what happened. Um, they saw their churches grow. They, they, their, they, the church collectively, those who stayed and held on, grew closer to God, were, were able to bear fruit that they didn't otherwise would have been able to bear if they didn't go through that. The endurance of such hard seasons really does um, help us to bear fruit in greater measure. Um, and so uh, continue on in uh, verse, verse 10, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Um, so, okay, there's a couple of things here. Setting our hope on God, like what does that look like? Okay. I'm determined that the Lord wants me to do this purpose. Therefore, this purpose requires education. Okay, well, I'm going to start praying that one, the Lord would uh, help me to actualize this purpose, but also the Lord understands. I'm sure the Lord knows that this requires an education. You don't really get to become a, you know, a technician in something without a license. And so that may require you to go to school. That may require you to um, take some tests, maybe do some residencies, but there's a process. I'm not hoping in the education first. The education is uh, an add-on. It's a part of it. It's, it's in the process. However, I need to put my hope in prayer in the Lord who has been able to take me through this process so that after the end of it, I'm a licensed technician. I can then go fulfill my purpose and then do that mandate that he has given me. So if you're going to be an electrician, you got to go to the electrician school. You got to do a couple of odd jobs for a while, while you're in school, because that's training. And then after that, you receive your license and certification, and then you go on to the, to the job field. Um, but I didn't just like say, oh yeah, I'm just going to go be an electrician or whatever. And I just hope that it all works out. No, I'm, I'm the Lord. I, the Lord gave me this desire. I don't know why I have this desire to do this thing, but I'm going to pray for him to help me. I'm going to put my hope in his power to see me through this because I mean, personally, when I took my philosophy class, I took a it's like a, it's technically a semester long class, but I took it in like six weeks. <laughs> and so I'm cramming monstrous amounts of philosophy and information into a six week window. 
and I still have to be able to give like a long written dissertation on all that I've learned and make an argument, even though I've kind of basically been cramming all this information. I, I had to hope in the Lord so that I was able to write the paper that then helped me to get the grade that I needed to move on to the next level. Um, you know, but I, I could not have done that um, without my hope being in God. I personally cannot make these arguments without the help of the Lord um, when it came to philosophy, because I'm literally going up against the teachings of demons and the ideologies of men that have been around longer since I've been alive, <laughs> longer than I've been alive. So um, the only way that I could have succeeded is by having my hope placed in the Lord. Um, and so I love that, you know, they set their hope in him, but then he will continue. So it's not that he delivers you once and he's like, all right, see you later. See you in the, you know, see you on judgment day. It's like, no, like he's, he's, he's able to continuously deliver. Um, which is why I think that we, sh you know, I love how it says like, we, you know, give the, the Lord no rest um, day or night. Like, um, really keep praying to see these things be made manifest uh that's why i you know i constantly kept you know um when i was in college i had i would walk around you know the campus praying about the lord doing a work on this campus the lord saving souls on this campus the lord bringing forth a ministry that um was on fire for him that would preach about him in the public square of my college that would, uh, you know, pray in the public square that would really, you know, impact the atmosphere um, and be bold. And I prayed this for months, for almost years even. And I still keep praying about it. But I saw that come to pass the month before I graduated. They were holding public prayer um, outside the student center. Amen. And we're calling the college to repentance. We're calling the campus to repentance. Um, they were repenting on behalf of the campus, you know, and, and of course I had a, another brother in the Lord who, um, who I worked for his ministry, but he was like, that should have been you. You should have been doing it. But I said, you know, no, I didn't have to, <laughs> I don't, I don't have to do that. I can, I could sow in prayer. I, I, I really believe that sowing in prayer um, is not going to be, uh, you know, when we get to heaven and the Lord goes over all of our rewards and rewards us each according to his deeds. I don't think sowing in prayer is going to be treated any less than people who actually took action because Paul said, as you help us by your prayers, those individuals who you know, those brothers and sisters in the Lord who uh, were, they probably have always wanted to come to this campus, but their, their schedules were never freed up. They, they weren't even in the same state. They knew they had, uh, you know, they had a desire to do it, but didn't know how it was going to be actualized. You know, there are so many variables that may have been keeping them or keeping that thing from happening. But as I continue to sow in prayer around the campus and take my prayer walks around the campus and um, 
believe and have faith on God that that's what he wanted to do. He actualized it in his time, in his own way. And though it didn't happen a week later, six months later, a year later, it still happened because I was faithful to continue to uplift that campus um, in prayer. Um, and, and so that's why, you know, it's important that we do um, pray for our leaders um, and pray for missionaries, pray for these, uh, like the child, the Christian ministries that are doing uh, child sex trafficking, trying to end it, or um, the Christian ministries that are helping rehabilitate uh, human trafficking uh, survivors, um, you know, or even the Christian ministries that are going into uh, places of government. Um, like Apologia, like they, they're going, um, or Exodus Crime Ministries, these, these uh, organizations or Christian organizations are going into the White House. They're going against, you know, um, the men funded by Masonic lodges and, um, you know, the, the representatives who uh, attend Molech sacrifices. They're going into these places. And... Um, they're going to need our prayers. They're going to need uh, people like us, you know, us ourselves who um, pray on Wednesdays and in corporate prayer, we lift up these organizations. We lift up these people, not, you know, for the sake of lifting them up, but because there is a battle going on. Like we all, we hear this, we've heard this, I think for many months, there's a battle for the soul of America. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad that the Lord reminds us like, behold, all, souls are mine saith the lord so even if there's a battle for the soul of america the soul of america still answers to god um and so i'm i'm thankful that that's the reality so even though satan wants to continue to contest for souls or make people think that he can win souls the reality is that in the end that soul still answers to the lord uh he he just like him you know like i always say like to demons or to people who want to entice me to end up going to hell. I'm like, you can go to hell by yourself. Like you're going to hell by yourself. I'm not going with you. Um, because I, I, I'm just not like, I just refuse to, uh, go with you to a place that I got independence from through the cross. Um, I, I'm just not going. And so, you know, whether or not, People want, you know, Christians want to pray. We're enticed or we're in call, we're called to pray for our leaders, for ministries, for our nations. Um, you know, I, some people be like, oh, well, are you making disciples? Uh, I mean, well, are you praying at all? Like, <laughs> you know, because usually people always want to try to trump you with that by saying, oh, you're not making disciples. But if you don't ever sow in prayer, the people who get who need discipleship may never get it. If you don't ever sow in prayer, the leader of integrity that needs to come to then pastor the sheep may not ever come. So that's the reality of sowing in prayer. That's the necessity of planting seeds in prayer or, you know, giving yourself over to that is like, yeah, I, I may not, you know, be 
on brother Greg's level of always giving a prophetic word to someone or, um, you know, demonstrating the Lord's power in that way. However, I can, by prayer, ensure that the Lord's power will be made manifest because of praying, because I've asked to asked in prayer and seeked it in prayer, you know, um, that that's how it works. It, prayer isn't, you know, just so that we can, uh, have, you know, prayer isn't just for us to be chill. It's actually for us to impact the atmosphere for us to see the Lord's will be made manifest on our physical plane, because that's what the Lord wants. Um, you know, it, like, like I love saying this, you know, when I prayed, um, that when his kingdom come and his will is done, you know, in hospitals, people receive healing, the dead are raised, the blind are given sight, the deaf can hear again, um, because that's what it looks like, you know, so that therefore we continue to pray into that so that it, it may come to pass. Um, I'm finishing up here in, in verse on verse 11, um, as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Without the prayers of many, there's no favor for a man of God to stand for government and uh, say what needs to be said. Um, without the prayers of many, Roe versus Wade doesn't get overturned. Without the prayers of many, affirmative action doesn't get overturned. Without the prayers of many, uh, abortion centers don't get closed. Um, the list can go on, but, uh, that's right. the only way, uh, ministers, missionaries, the representatives who have greater callings to go out into unknown places in the earth and, uh, speak the truth of God or plant the seed of the gospel. The only way they're going to get favor is by our prayers is by our um, willingness that when, you know, when brother Greg sends us a prayer request in the telegram or, you know, when someone who has position that is in the body asks us for prayer because they need it. Like, you know, of course we should already be praying for brothers and sisters, but we're praying for the ministries we're a part of, but when they have a specific need that they ask us about, like, pray, pray about it, pray for that need because it may um, encourage them. Um, it may be the strength that they need to carry on. You know, Brother Greg really feels profoundly from the Lord that he has a, a mantle in Europe that he needs to fulfill. And so, you know, I always make mention of ensuring that he's able to plant those houses of prayer in Europe or that, you know, for whatever request that he may say, hey, I need prayer in this area. I always try to make sure that I pray for the leaders in my life who ask me, you know, for prayer regarding those things, because sometimes the Lord may then give me insight into their lives about what they've prayed about, you know, and, and then, you know, in turn, when I'm hearing that, it's because the Lord is also telling that, you know, that brother who I'm praying for, for that person, like, I've, I've heard you, I'm listening to you, um, you know, so it's just a reminder that the Lord knows that you're praying about this, the Lord has heard your prayers about this, so, um, I'll continue to uh, pray with you for these things or pray about these things, you know, in my alone time and it bears fruit, you know, because one, one day soon, this, 
that mantle will be actualized or it may be actualized but in a totally different way but it still gets actualized you know and that's why it's important for us to continue to um pray for one another uplift leaders of our ministries uplift other ministries that we become informed about because um they need it you know and um Apart from the, I love this in the Psalms, apart from the Lord, I have no good thing. Apart from our prayers, they are not able to have the favor they need. So um, that's why it's important um, that we we continue to do that and lend ourselves over to that. But um, yeah, that's uh, all I have for today. You know, I, I give I give thanks and uh, glory to the Lord uh, for this word and just for speaking to us in this way and giving me the testimony that I have to draw from. Um, to share this word. So uh, thank you all. God bless you guys. Amen. Thank you very much, brother. I greatly appreciate uh, this word. It's encouraging and comforting word. Um, and uh, if you can, you know, hold tight because I'd like for you to close in prayer. Um, but there, there was something that I just wanted to quickly point out uh, regarding this passage that you're reading brother in second Corinthians. And I just wanted to share my thoughts on it. And, uh, my thoughts on the verse eight, when Paul is saying, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Um, the reason why I want to point this out is because, um, you know, when Paul was talking about in the preceding verses about comfort and the comfort that we receive from God, right? He talks about the comfort and all of our troubles. Um, I think that man would be apt to say, yeah, but um, the comfort of God can't reach me in this situation. That's awesome, brother or sister, that God's comfort met you in the situation that he met you in. Um, but my situation, however, uh, cannot be reached by that. And what I endured uh, or what I'm going through, no man can endure. And I think we have this <clears throat> inclination to think that the comfort of God can only meet us in what we can endure. Um, or the comfort of God is only there to assist in situations where we ourselves can manage or endure. Because um, there's some things that cause you pain that you can endure even apart from the comfort of God. But what do you do in the situations where this is something that is beyond, beyond you? And that's where... Um, really no hope for self. There, there's, there's no hope in self in these equations. And I think that's what um, is what then creates a lot of fear because people are so used to relying on ourselves. And sometimes it's a comforting thing, but as you can see in some situations, it's a very frightful thing because you see, uh, we, we can't do this. You know, there's no way. And, and so Paul, I think, is already mindful of that and says, hey, look, you know, all that we're saying, we want you to know. We don't want you to be uninformed that we have gone through a situation where 
it was so far beyond our ability to endure that we despaired of life. In other words, we thought all seemed hopeless. Um, and I think the amazing thing is that God actually goes beyond the expectations of Paul because Paul didn't even expect deliverance. And yet God in his goodness and his grace had provided what Paul didn't even expect would happen because he told you he despaired of life. In other words, he, he's saying it was so hopeless, we didn't think we were going to live. So, you know, but then what does it say? Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. He says, tells you right there, we thought we were going to die. Um, he said, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So he didn't say this happened coincidentally. He's saying that there's actually a purpose behind why this happened because sometimes you know it's not always suffering that that um that is so hurtful as much as suffering without purpose you know and so he's saying there's there's actually a redemptive purpose behind what we went through and it's so that we might not rely on ourselves but on god who raises the dead and, you know, us as believers, we might say, but I don't want to have to go through that. If if it doesn't seem like a payoff, uh, okay, you're helping me to rely on God who raises the dead. But in order for me to get there, you're telling me I have to go through things or I might go through things that will cause me to despair of life. I don't want it. I'm, I'm cool with the level of faith that I have. I might not have the faith that God raises the dead. I have faith that he heals. But I, I don't want to go so far as to have to tap into that depth of God because it's going to place me in scary situations. And all I would say to you is this, is that the Bible says that God will not suffer you to be tempted beyond what you're able to endure. Uh uh, but with a way of escape, he he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So uh, God, as a good heavenly father, understands what you are capable through him of doing and what you're not capable of doing. And and I think the the hope and the consolation is that he doesn't do he doesn't permit for things that will damage us. Um. He, he allows for things to ultimately make us better. Um, you know, but I understand too, at the same time, there's things that we, you may feel like the payoff is not worth it. It's not worth being made better. And in, in if, uh, if, if what is necessary is for us to go through those things, it's like, that's why sometimes people never go to the gym because they think that the, the payoff of eating the foods they like is worth it, you know, but I think that's where God is father and he does things irrespective of whether you choose it or not. Right. And, uh, it says that, uh, as children, we are disciplined of the Lord 
and that the discipline is not to be interpreted as God's hatred toward toward us, but rather that his delight in us. Um, you know, but I want to read one other thing. I want to read one other, uh, or maybe two, Psalm 13. This is a very encouraging psalm, you know, because sometimes, you know, I, I'm thankful that Paul said what he said, because had not Paul said that, we might think, oh, well, I'm going through this, you know, those super saints or super apostles or, you know, they don't they don't go through what we go through. But actually, you know, there is no respect of men. Paul, you know, who got caught up in the third heaven, you know, the apostles who walked with Jesus, they had gone through what they went through. Right. <clears throat> and so we will, too. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. God, light to give light to my eyes where I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love, my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. So you see David, you know, he, he's feeling as if the Lord has abandoned him. And, he's, and he thinks of it as a very long time. He says, how long will you hide your face from me forever? You know, will you forget me forever? And isn't that how it can seem when we have to endure? Right. It might be a year, it might have been two years, it might have been five years. Despite the length of time, there's always a point in which, you know, you say it's forever. Or you, you might even think that the the tribulation is permanent. And we don't know how long David had to wait. And we don't know when God delivered him from it. And, you know, there's no evidence from the text that God answered him and told him, okay, this long is how long, right? So have you ever been there where you've, you've prayed to the Lord, you, you've sought his face and you, you didn't get an answer? You, you sought the face and the counsel of God, and, and uh, you, you're not giving any answers in response to what you're asking him. And it can be, that's where your faith is tested. And the devil would love to fill in the blanks as to why you're not getting the answer that you want. Or maybe you did get an answer, but it's not the answer you desired. And the enemy wants to fill in all the blanks and tell you, oh, this is the reason why this is, and, and this is the reason why had you done this, things could have been different. And then just, you know, wraps you up in your mind. And then look at what David says, though. He says, look on me and answer, Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. But verse five, it says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. So in other words, you know, despite the, the fact that I'm going through this, 
I trust in God's love that is unfailing. I may fail. Systems may fail. People may fail. But the Lord's love is unfailing. And it's by it's remaining, amen. Um, let's look at one more verse, uh, Psalm As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? So, you know, during tribulations and, and suffering, you know, the devil will taunt you and say, where is your God? You're not healed yet. Where is your God? You know, you're going through this pain. Where's your God? So these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you disturbed within me? So in other words, he's rem he's reminding himself how he used to, you know, worship the Lord in in company with God's people. And so there were times where he was joyous. So now he's he's saying why are you why are you now downcast you know that seems like a contradiction before you were worshiping praising him and speaking of all that he can do and then now you're you know in this time of crisis and you know he may feel like a hypocrite why am i why am i cast down you know why am i not living up to what i know to be true of god you know, but I, you know, but he says, put your hope in God. So in other words, he's saying, look, he's speaking to his soul. He says, put your hope in God. Because right now you, you, you're not so much doing that. For I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. And then um, let's look at verse eight and onward, and then we'll read, uh, then we'll close. By, the, by day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go oppressed? Uh, why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer, suffer mortal agony, and my foes taught me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So at the end, he says, you know, I will praise him. And, and so there's going to come a time where I'm going to rejoice in the salvation and deliverance he has brought for me. But um, I'll, I'll close with that. So um, 